Hello again out there, family of faith. Welcome to another podcast of these present days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for opening our eyes and our ears from the inside to the outside. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for anointing us to hear, even between the lines, things that we need to hear that may escape us otherwise, that we are going to catch it. We need to hear from you constantly be tuned into what you have to say. Thank you, Father, for leading and guiding us into all truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for going out in front of us and making a pathway for us to walk in. And Jesus, thank you for being right by our side. And I thank you, Lord God, for this session today and for all of the listeners out there that are tuned in. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for blessing us. Amen. Okay, these present days. Um, let me read you a few headlines, just to kind of um, whet the appetite, kind of kind of prime the pump. These are recent headlines, like right now and yesterday. Um, it says COVID nineteen drastically impacted mental health of teens and young adults, and this is published April the fourth. It says, teen depression. Various studies released released over the last two years have indicated as such, teens and young adults are among those hit hardest by pandemic-related mental health issues. Throughout the past two years, the world has experienced measurable losses as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. To date, there have been 6.15 million coronavirus-related deaths recorded across the world and almost 500 million registered coronavirus virus cases overall. New COVID-19 variant XE is now identified, especially ramp, it's on the rampage in Great Britain. A new COVID-19 variant has been identified in the United Kingdom, it says, but experts say there is no cause for alarm no cause, excuse me, for alarm yet. The variant known as XE is a combination of the original BA1 or BA.1 Omicron, Omicron variant and a subvariant BA.2. This type of combination is known as a recombinant variant. Who comes up with these words? Recombinant variant. Public health experts say that recombinant variants are very common and often crop up and disappear on their own. And in most cases have no symptoms. What? What's the point? (laughs) Listen, the title of today's podcast is Lies, Deception, and Confusion. Because we've been subjugated to lies, deception, and confusion for a number of years now. I mean, it's just come out politically in the last two election cycles that the mainstream media, which used to be like the priest of the local parish that you trusted everything that he said at one time back in history, or your favorite school teacher that seemed to be so persuasive and convincing that you bought everything that he taught you and probably aced the class and the tests and everything because he was so persuasive. Or like your favorite newscaster that used to just give you the news and not the opinions. And 
Even if they were giving you the opinions and they say, well, this is, you know, one man's opinion, they stopped saying that a long time ago. They put it out there like it's news, like it's facts. And so then they became um, subject to a lot of different counter organizations that popped up like Fact Checker, you know, that they're going to check the facts that you're saying. And it doesn't matter if it's the president of the United States, this administration, the last administration, or anything in politics or things that are being broadcast on the news, on the platforms, you know, the internet platforms and all that. Um, lies are prevailing right now. Lies are in abundance right now. I mean, it's not anything new. I mean, it's been going on for 6,000 years of man's recorded history. But lies are rampant. I mean, it's almost as if you could say, and I'm not going to say that, you know, that your own father and mother lied to you. I mean, like, the Tooth Fairy, really? Uh, Santa Claus, yeah? Um, well, we couldn't go to Disneyland because of this, and okay, um, and you really didn't know, and they might have told the truth, and they might have been telling us lies, and we grown up as innocent and naive children are. You know, we don't second-guess or question. We don't have any fact sheet to check it against. And we grow up to be people that learn to trust things. You got to, you got to learn to trust that the government's got your best interest, that your local pastor or parish with the priesthood has got your best interest, even if he's taking the young boys in the back sometimes to work on getting the communion uh, and the bread elements all um, put on the trays properly. And he's back there training them for that. Sure. Um, not all people are evil like that because of the implications I'm making. And I'm doing it tongue-in-cheek, and you can't see that because I have no camera on me. But, you know, I'm doing that tongue-in-cheek. You know, kind of, we got to be able to take this with a grain of salt because I hate to pop the bubble. Santa Claus isn't real. The Tooth Fairy isn't real. Uh, the things that they've been telling us the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, has increased on not being real. I mean, they marched this little guy out there, you know, from the CDC, and he's supposed to know it all and tell it all and all that kind of thing. He's unfireable, according to this administration. You can't fire him. There's nothing that, you could, that he could ever do to get fired. So that should send a red flag right away. Um, and we've been told, you know, by this guy looking into the camera and becoming out of nowhere, like, you know, a public figure out of nowhere, he's become almost a celeb overnight. And he's telling you all this business, you know, you got to do this and you got to do that. And you got to be six feet apart and you got to mask up and you got to get the shots and you got to do. And then the, the, the a government down this new administration is acting on every whim this guy does. And as mandated shots, or you're going to lose your job for all federal workers at first, and then it's gone into the school systems and unions and stuff like this, and on and on it goes, and it's really interesting because he has flip-flopped and changed his mind that it's over, it's not over. Uh, you can you can get closer together than six feet, you got to spread it apart further, or you, you, you take the mask off now and breathe freely, or not now, bring the mask back. And as if that has any bearing on it. No, it doesn't. What we've noticed is that the things change, and this is part of the lying cycle. The things change every time it comes close to another election 
oh my goodness, are we in an election year? Yes, the midterms of this year, 2022. And yes, the Democrats might lose um, the power that they have because the economy has been blown up. The border is wide open, worse than ever before. Um, we have lost people's lives in the horrible backing out of Afghanistan and abandoning the nations that we were trying to help before. And we're taking in all the immigrants in the universe that want to come. Um, we actually, what's hypocritical about this, let's listen to this for a second. This is in the news. Call it fake news, just as, you know, lying news. Because the Bible says this, let God be true and every man a liar. That's found in the book of Romans. God is true and every man's a liar. Okay? And so we were born liars. We were born into sin, and sin and lying are next of kin to each other. And so if a kid gets caught with his hand in the cookie jar, of course he's going to lie and say, I don't have nothing in my hand, you know, because it's just come by nature. We understand that. You grow up and you might have strict rules in the household and your parents, you know, will beat the tar out of you if you lie. And so you learn not to lie. You don't have to teach a kid how to lie. It's inherent. But you learn not to lie in some of the more moral, ethical households. And hopefully the parents are not hypocrites and they're not lying to the kids too much. And then you grow up and you learn about, you know, things that people are doing in this country that we live in. And we have the greatest country on the face of the earth. And if we do, and the way it looks right now, good luck to the rest of the planet. Seriously. I mean, I know that, you know, tongue-in-cheek and a little bit of humor, a little sarcasm, but hey, it's true. Um, wow. But you see, the thing is, we need to factor human error into everything. And maybe it's not intentional. You know, maybe they think, oh, we don't want to pull the emergency fire uh, switch and set the alarms off so everybody would panic, and they start running for the exits all at once and trample people. So they kind of butter it up a little bit and dole it out a little bit and dress it up a little bit and make it sound this way or that way. Or, or if nobody's really listening to them because they've learned, because I, I grew up in a household where I was told by my parents, you know, leaders of the house, and other adult people, they said, you know, the government's always stealing our money. The government's always cheating us on the taxes. And so to break even, you got to cheat back. What? Are we going to have cheating one-on-one -on -one here? Are we going to have a new major that, I, you know, we take a class on cheating one-on-one? -on -one? How to cheat and not get caught? You know, the government, they get caught all the time. They get called on the carpet of, you know, of, of excess spending and, and spending without representation. You know, you're supposed to be, you know, no... Nobody should be in office representing people in ju the judicial branch, the legislative branch, you know, the, um, all the branches of power in Washington, D.C. that represent the running of our country uh, nice and smoothly. Well, it hasn't been nice and smooth for a, a hundred years. And we're supposed to 
believe that you know everything is going good because we have watchdog groups we have whistleblowers that have come back and told us horror stories and they've taken stuff to court and they got fined a bunch of money and that, that bunch of money meant nothing to them because they're making almost as much money as god and so that's not a dent in anybody's pocketbook and so they have this going on perpetually and you just you start to lose a little bit of confidence in government you know people think that they're being lied to and cheated all the time I know that there's some honest people out there. I know that, you know, I try to be honest. You try to be honest. You know, the listeners out there that are with you, they're, they're trying to be honest, hopefully. You know, if you love Jesus, because Jesus doesn't like lying and falsehoods and deception and things that mislead. Jesus is all about the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, I'm going to send the spirit of truth to you because I'm going to my Father and He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth and not to lies. And so we got, He set us up. We got the tools we need to discern between truth and lies, truth and lies, truth and lies, black and white, black and white, black and white, left or right, left or right, east or west, east or west. You got to be able to differentiate, you got to be able to distinct, distinguish and discern. And if you're not, well, then you're a sucker waiting to be punched. There's a sucker punch out there waiting to hit you. Or you're like that kid in school that maybe you're the guilty party to put the, 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 the tape note on his back that says, kick me. <laughs> and everybody's walking up to him and kicking him. And he doesn't know why. It's like, please, people, please. We're not in the fifth grade anymore, hopefully. So, lies, lies. The Lord told me that the pandemic, which I've broken into two words, panic and epidemic. There's been declared a few years ago now, two, two and a half, an official quote-unquote pandemic. It wasn't ever called an epidemic. It's called a pandemic. And so what that means to me, in my thinking, the two words being a linguist, panic over the epidemic. And so they announced, they told us what they're doing here. And so what they did was they started fear-mongering and started spewing out all this stuff that caused a panic. They didn't tell people, well, we got it under control. You know, they might have said some things like that at first, you know, like being, you know, confident, you know, that your system that's in place can handle it and all this. And so I know the administration that when it first broke out, you know, um, that's what was being said. And then everybody jumped on him and said he was in denial. He didn't, you know, want to face the facts. No, I think he was trying to be positive. He didn't want to hit the panic button. But then everybody trampled um, those kind of sentiments underfoot and hit the panic button. Shut the economy down. Broke the back of people that worked for years to build a family business and small businesses all over the country that have since not even reopened. And then, and if you haven't noticed, it was just like, wow. We had, you know, people like, have you ever seen those film clips where people during an earthquake, a hurricane, during some national, local especially, or even across the globe? They, they, they learned from us, maybe. They watched us do this time and time again when they saw the hurricanes hitting Florida, earthquakes in California, fires in California, 
when something is ravaged, when there's a, a, a natural disaster, you know, like fire, earthquake, tornado, uh, hurricanes and stuff, um, there's always going to be looters. Looters. It's like they think it's free money. It's free stuff. You know, they're hauling TV sets out. They're hauling Air Jordans and boxes out and shoving them in their cars and stuff. And it's just like, is that the best of humanity? You know, and then we can always blame it, you know, because of this race or, you know, because of this economic level or things like that. Um, I just think it's human nature. I think inherently human nature, there's a goodness that has a battle with a fallen evilness in everybody. And even if you're saved and you got God dwelling in you, you're still up against that thing, man. You still got to bring that into control. And because I know a lot of good people, good Christian people, solid Christian people, they were scared spitless by the pandemic. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're fear-free. No. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus started hopping out of the grave. I say hopping not because the Bible says that, because how else can he walk? He's wound up like a mummy. And then he says, Jesus says, loose him and let him go. And so they probably didn't run over there with a knife and just slip it, you know, like a real sharp scissors or something. Just go from the from you know his ankles up the backside all the way up just in one fell swoop. They probably had to unravel him. And as they did, that's a symbolic thing of that. When you get saved, God is saying the next thing you need to do is be loosed and let go. And Jesus put it like this: You shall know the truth. Here's the word truth again, not lies. Not deception, not confusion. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you. Didn't say set. It didn't say set you free. It said make you free. That's a process, and we are getting renewed in our thinking, little by little, incrementally. We're getting more free, more free, more free. And you're getting better at not lying, and you're getting better at not cheating, and you're getting better at not putting your mouth on on people in judgment. You're getting better. I hope. Because we should be progressing. Once again, a little tongue-in-cheek there. I know you're working on stuff. And so, what does the Bible say about lives? Well, in John chapter 8, verses 44 through 47, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. And he says this, You are of, or you are the offspring, excuse me, of your father. He's talking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were arguing and bickering with him. Pharisees didn't recognize him as Messiah, didn't recognize him, you know, as the Son of God. They said he's blaspheming when he called God his Father. And so he turns it around and you're of your offspring, the uh, you're of your, you are the offspring of your father, the devil, and you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. He's been a murderer right from the start. So is he calling them murderers? Oh, yeah. He never stood with the truth, for he is full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of lies. But I am the true prince who speaks nothing but the truth. Yet you refuse to believe and you want nothing to do with me. Can you name one sin that I've committed? Then if I am telling you only the truth, why don't you believe me? If you really knew God, you would listen, receive, and respond with faith to his words. But since you don't listen and respond to what he says, it proves you do not belong to him. 
and you have no room for him in your heart. So that's pretty shocking, blunt. I mean, like giving them blunt force trauma, you know, hitting them right in the heart with the truth. Calling them liars and associating them with Satan. You're of your father, the devil. Why is Jesus being so mean? He's not. He's being factual. He's being truthful. Because after Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says in chapter 4 of the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve had other children because they had Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel. Cain got banished. He was no more around. And so they had more children. And Adam and Eve had children after their own image. Look it up yourself in Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 1. They can only reproduce what they have. And so what do they have? They have separation from God. They have an, a lower, evil, conniving, scheming, lying, hiding, or being deceitful nature. They showed that right off the bat. After they ate of the fruit they're not supposed to eat of. They determined by eating of that fruit, they're going to be in charge of right and wrong. They're going to be in charge of up and down, of you know, being in charge of what to believe and what not to believe. And that was God's territory only. And so God forbid them. He said, you're going to die. He said it like this, dying, you shall die. Meaning dying spiritually, you'll die physically. You, you, they weren't mortal when he, when he made them, when he created them from the dust of the ground and breathed into them the breath of his life. And they became a living soul. Their, their personality all of a sudden lit up and connected. Their brain is functioning at 100%. And so Bible says that Satan was more cunning than all the animals God ever made. So he's starting to work on the woman. And he must have noticed something, that Adam wasn't going to rush to her side and stop any shenanigans or any deception going on towards the woman. Because when he finally broke her down and challenged her, you know, and she didn't even have a leg to stand on anyway because she had the story wrong because she wasn't there when God told Adam, don't you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because the day thereof that you eat of it, dying you shall die. And he said it twice, but we only have it translated in the English from the original Hebrew and Aramaic, we only have it saying, surely you shall die. Why do they put surely there? They emphasize it because they misunderstood the double talk of dying you shall die. He was doing that on purpose. He said it twice. It wasn't a misquote because he was emphasizing you'll die spiritually, which will then enable you to die physically because your spirit being is the thing that sustains your physical life. And so the spirit life started, um, I mean, excuse me, the physical life started growing older because the spiritual life was dead. And what that means, it doesn't mean it ceased to exist. Man still had a spirit, and man could do evil things with the spirit. He could get in touch with the spirit world, with the, with the fallen angels and demons and, and, and evil spirits like that, which they did a lot of. And they did spiritual things that were evil all the time, building a tower of Babel, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, Noah's day where God had to flood the whole earth because men were doing things spiritually with evil spirits 
And it even says in some places, like in the book of Genesis again, chapter 11, where the, where the sons of God were going into the daughters of men and conceiving. And people have debated this for years and years and years. Is there some kind of a spiritual hybrid thing that was being reproduced because of these sons of God? Isn't it a plural meaning that Jesus has a bunch of twins? These sons of God are a reference to angels. And it says angels were leaving their first estate. It says this in the book of Jude. They're leaving their first estate, which was the heavens, coming down to the earth, and they were mating with women. And we don't know because I've debated this and I've stood my ground on it because you can't get something reproduced unless you have a seed. And angels don't have a seed. They're neither male nor female. And so I've, I've been able to checkmate, hold off people for a while now on thinking further than that. I mean, unless they can manufacture some artificial seed of spermatozoa and actually have that be accepted by the human body of a woman, and then they'd have a master race of, of gigantic beings like Goliath, maybe, because, you know, like that was what some of the people are speculating. I would see it more as a possession kind of a thing, that the spirit of these fallen angels go into them, and the spirit can be transmitted from a woman who is demonized into the fetus that's developing in her womb. And so that's for another time. That's another whole deal. And you could get, you know, an evil hybrid like this. I mean, dear Jesus. Um, I see a lot of, a, a lot of evidence of, of that right now with people that have seared their conscience with a hot iron, can lie like, a, like nobody else, like a mother to a child that she's nursing, you know, like lie from the, the breast milk uh, beginning of life to the children because there's something evil has gotten, gotten into them, even though by ourselves, without having any demons attached to us, sitting on our shoulders, wrapped around our heads or anything, we already have the capacity for evil in our fallen human nature. Jesus identifies us, right along with the rest of the Pharisees, that if you're not about saving lives, well, then you're complicit in the murdering of lives. Understand what I mean? I mean, he's telling the, the Pharisees, you're like your father the devil, and he's a murderer. And so they're all guilty of murder by complicity because they're related to him, and he's a murderer. Well, we can take that a little bit and make you think about it. I want to give you something to think about. What about a lot of Christians that don't care anything about getting Roe versus Wade overturned and stop murdering babies? And if we set the precedent, it would go across the globe. We know that because that's the way abortion went across the globe. That's the way the pandemic went across the globe. <laughs> anyway, lest I digress anymore, I just give you things that shock your senses, shock your... Okay, we've got to wake up. We've got to wake up and not be cynical. I don't want you to be cynical. I want you to be spiritual. I want you to be discerning. I want you to, to understand there is no room for the hatred of certain people that you maybe really, really, really dislike. And you wouldn't drop a tear if anything bad happened to them because they're so filthy and they're so evil. 
because they're behind this and they are associated with doing that and they're leading the program of doing this over here. And we sit back in our sanctimonious self-righteousness and judge them. And we're missing the mark because they, the person, didn't do much of anything except for maybe they cooperated with a spirit of deception and then allowed their thinking to be overrun and overruled and over-occupied by a bunch of demonic spirit beings that have shaped the way that they speak and the way that they act and the way that they treat people. And we get upset and stuck on them. We need to go to the source. We need to aim at pulling the plug behind it. I had a dog once that really was scared of a vacuum cleaner. Turn it on and the bag blew up and it started making this whirling sound and he ran off and came back and barked at it and bared his teeth and got real close and then he'd run away because I'd push it toward him. He'd run back and I'd, I'd push it, you know, and I'd pull it back and he'd come towards it and I'd be, I'd be playing with him like that. And all he had to do was pull the plug. You know, it would be dangerous for him to bite the cord, you know, because he might get electrocuted. You could just take his lips and put it across there and pull it out with your lips, dude. And the, and the cord would leave the socket and the bag would go down and the noise would stop and the monster would be dead. And so we got to get behind the scenes and pull the plugs on some things. Anyway, that's what today is for. <laughs> yeah. So let's... Move on to Romans chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 4. We know how Jesus felt and still feels about lying and liars. He was talking to a bunch of liars and murderers, the Pharisees, and they didn't really, really, you know, have in their skeleton closet blood on their hands from killing somebody, literally. Not, that, not necessarily literally. But he also says in another passage, like, once in Luke, he said, you've been given the keys of knowledge and you forbid people to go in and receive what they need to know and you don't go in yourself because they were the, the learned ones. They were the ones that were the teachers of Israel. And so, once again, uh, man's in a, man in his fallen condition, cheating people out of the truth because the knowledge that Jesus is talking about is the knowledge of God's Word, which is 100% pure truth. God's got the market cornered on truth. Truth is the absolute reality. And if God created all that exists, that means He's got the market cornered on what is real and what is not real. And so we need to pay attention to Him. Romans 3, 4, I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation. And he's just kind of coming off the tail end of an argument. He says, certainly not. Let God be found true, as he will be, though every person be found a liar, just as it, as it is written in Scripture, that you may be justified by your words and prevail when you are judged by sinful men. In other words, if you're people of the truth, um, judgment is passed towards you, you will be justified in the middle of that. Just stay on the truth. Just keep speaking the truth. You see... Lies in our country right now, in our world right now, lies are such a big thing. If a person is labeled a liar, it used to be stigmatic. You know, that was a stigma you didn't want. Um, because who's going to believe you anymore? You are chicken little. 
The sky's falling, the sky's falling, the sky's falling. It never fell. And if they, after that, nobody ever wanted to listen to you again. Nobody's going to take a word you say. And here's the real problem I see. The real problem is this. If you are a liar, or if you don't know the difference between lying and truth coming at you from the world systems, not only are you vulnerable to be misled and deceived, but you are going to have a hard time with your faith life of believing and trusting God to step out of the boat made by man and start walking on the Wawa made by God because you're embroiled in a bunch of falsehoods and a bunch of things that can be taken different ways, but they're meant to be misleading because you don't want to hurt feelings because you give the whole truth and nothing but the truth to hope you God that could step on some toes, that could expose some things and all. And so you conditioned yourself to be okay with that, programming yourself to be suspicion, suspicious of every person that is lying to you. Huh? Because we project, don't we? We project on people. If you're a world-class liar, you believe that everybody in your world and in your class are liars too. And so you can't really hold on to a single word they're saying and take it to the bank. You're going to question it. You wish it would be true if it was good news and good things, but you really can't sink your teeth into it because you programmed yourself. You programmed yourself to be suspicious because you are worthy of suspicion because you haven't made a line, not in the sand. I, I think you should make it in concrete, hard as a rock concrete. Take a jackhammer and make a line that you're not going to cross and refuse and reject lies in participating with it yourself and in receiving it from anything else, any other source. And so lies which have been accepted, they don't make a big deal about it. You know, before when you have a presidential debate and somebody checked on it and somebody said it was a liar and stuff like this, that, that was a big deal. The person retracted or tried to explain. They don't even try to explain anymore. They just know, they just keep on going because I'm lying because everybody else is lying. And so that okay, that makes it okay. It's just like a kid coming home from school said, Mama, I want to smoke dope. Why do you want to smoke dope? Because everybody else is smoking dope. Everybody's smoking it. Everybody but me. You ever do that? Everybody's got tickets to the, to the fair. Everybody's going. I'm not even able to go. That's a lie. Not everybody's going. You know, we just learn those kind of little ins and outs growing up in this fallen world. And it lies are the starting point. Deception is what it leads to. Because I've been lied to, I've been deceived. I've been bamboozled. Somebody pulled the wool over my eyes. You know, there's a story, kind of a kid story, about the emperor's clothes. And the emperor was lied to and told by his tailors, because he, he was kind of hard to, you know, hard to um, please. And so they were exasperated with him, and so they pretended like they were sewing and cutting and, and putting together an outfit and putting it on him when he's bare butt naked and all this kind of thing. We know how the story goes. And he's wearing nothing. 
but he's told by all of these tailors and then his advisors and closest people to him got in on it. And everybody kept the lie going that he looked great. Those are the best clothes you've ever owned. He's walking bare butt naked out in front of people. And they just had this spin on it. And they kept the spin going. And you know, we've been, we've been subject to that as well. We are the emperor with no clothes if we bought into all the different lies that have been perpetrated. You know, we were told, if you do this, if you put a piece of cloth across your mouth, you'll stop all of those microscopic elements that are being breathed and sneezed and coughed into your face. And nobody's walking around like that. I mean, that's very rare. Anybody turns and sneezes and coughs and spits right in somebody else's face. But it's like, oh, no, we got to stop the virus. And you put the cloth on and everybody's okay. You don't put the cloth on, they make a big scene. They'll start fighting you in the grocery store. And you try to, you try to reason with that. Hey, listen, what you're wearing that you bought at Costco and what I'm wearing, what I got at the sporting goods store, a, a handkerchief double folded and tied around the back of my head, are both the same. They're worthless, people. <laughs> Come on, man. You don't have any clothes on. Anyway, it leads to deception. When lies are bought, when lies are not caught, when lies are not stopped, well, then lies are going to come out on top. And it ends up being deception. Because you believe the lie, accept the lie, and act on the lie, and walk around and parade around, shaking your booty everywhere, and thinking that nobody can see the line that God splits you in the backside uh, shaking because you think you're fully clothed, you're under deception now. You got a lie that started it, and now you're deceived. Psalm. Psalm chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. Passion Translation says it like this. Wisdom is a gift from a generous God. And every word he speaks, speaks is full of revelation and becomes a fountain of understanding within you. Verses 7 and 8. For the Lord has a hidden storehouse of wisdom made accessible to his godly ones. He becomes your personal bodyguard as you follow his ways, protecting and guarding you as you choose what is right. Verse 9, then you will discover all that is just, proper, and fair, and be empowered to make the right decisions as you walk into your destiny. Doesn't it sound great so far? Verse 10, when wisdom wins your heart and revelation breaks in, true pleasure enters your soul. That's a real pleasing feeling. Verse 11, if you choose to follow good counsel, divine design will watch over you. Divine design. In other words, God's design for your life, his blueprint for your life, will watch over you, and understanding will protect you from making poor choices. Verse 12, it will rescue you from evil in disguise. Are we living in those days when evil is disguised? Yes. It will rescue you from evil in disguise and from those who speak duplicities. Verse 13, for they have left the paths of righteousness, and walk in the ways of darkness. Duplicity just simply means they're speaking with double tongue. They're speaking hypocrisy. They're speaking one thing and doing another. Just like we saw over and over and over and over again, our fearless leaders off in Washington in front of the camera, you know, just posing and, and preening in front of the camera about this pandemic and got a mask up and everything. And then the next time you see anything about them, they're at an outdoor party with no mask or they're at an event, you know, in, in D.C. with no mask on. It's just like, you can't have it both ways, people. We're not, we're not retarded out here. 
We're not morons out here. Verse 13 again, for they have left the paths of righteousness and walk in the ways of darkness. You see, in darkness you can't see. They take pleasure when evil prospers and thoroughly enjoy a lifestyle of sin because when their, their legislation is being passed that favors them lining their own pockets and benefiting their own families and, and stealing and cheating from the American people. I'm not, I'm not going to stay on politics. We are a reflection of our government because they make the rules that we live by and we do the same things that they are doing unless we're moral and we're ethical enough. We do the same thing they're doing. That's why I heard it when I was a kid. Like, you got to cheat on your taxes because they're cheating you first. That evens everything out. Everybody knows you do it. Everybody knows it. The government knows everything. If you're stupid, if you if you pay the full amount, if you do your, you know if you do your taxes honestly, it's like what? I was being told that in a Christian home even because it was just one of those things that they didn't trust and they had a good reason not to you know not to trust. But even if you don't trust something, the Bible commands us to live by the laws of the land. But when it crosses the laws of God, that's when you can go ahead and throw that laws of the land thing out the window. It says in verse 15, but they were walking on a path to nowhere, wandering away into deeper deception. That's what he's saying. They got into deeper deception. In Matthew 24, Jesus himself talking about the days that he was living in and things increasing since that time unto the day he comes back and returns. And he had a wide swath. And I'm going to do two sections of scriptures, three, chapter, chapter 24, verses 3 through 13 and verses 23 through 27. New King James. So Jesus, you know, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed. In other words, pay attention that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Hmm. He says the word deceive two times there in two verses. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Okay. We are in the process right now of, of having a war going on and a rumor of war going on. A rumor of wars um, that are eminent because it could spark World War III if something goes wrong in this skirmish between Russia and Ukraine right now, while our nation is heaving back and forth because of all of the stuff that this present administration has lied to us about and has done that is criminal. It's actually criminal um, and hasn't been uh, litigated yet, but it's nothing short of criminal. Letting people come across the country and mandating that America still mask up or no, excuse me, get the shot while you're not requiring people coming across the border to get the shot. That's one of the latest news articles about <clears throat> the, the pandemic and how it affects the immigrants coming in from Mexico and the southern border and how this Title 42 is going to be renounced 
this Title 42 they put in place to where they could actually hold people, hold people in their country of origin or at least in Mexico. But they've been doing away. They've been undoing those things so that there's going to be a flood of people coming through already. So, he says, nation will rise against nation in verse 7 and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. Famines and pestilence are coming next, people. Famines and pestilence. All these things are, begin are the beginning of sorrows or birth pangs. In other words, the woman's going into labor. The earth is going into labor. For what? A new heaven and a new earth are going to be born. So we're at the end, you mean? We're getting close to the end and the return of Jesus? Uh, duh. Jesus says that it was in the, days, in the days of Noah, so it's going to be in the time of my return, he said. All these things are beginning of sorrows. Verse 9, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by nations, by all nations, for my name's sake. Jesus is talking directly to his disciples who directly felt the hot breath of that. And then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. We'll, we'll say that that's the law of double references right there in the fact that that happened immediately. You know, when Jesus was raised from the dead and the disciples started preaching everywhere and they, they got persecuted and, and pretty soon driven out of Jerusalem. But it's also up to the time that we're living in right now. The tide has turned. Christianity was popular in this country for a long, long, long time and in many other countries around the world. It was, it was appreciated. It was respected. But now, people are hating each other and betraying each other. And verse 11 says, Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. The word deception or deceived third time. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness is abounding right now. It doesn't mean that we have a bunch of people breaking the law of man, but they're breaking the laws of God. The laws of God are summed up in one word, love Love God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. He who is strong enough to go through the whole thing will be saved. Verse 23. We jump down 10 verses of verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. He's talking about his return. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so we're deceived again. So he's talking about a lot of deception in these last days. See, verse 25 says, I told you beforehand. What did he tell them beforehand? He told them how he's going to return. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. Here's verse 27. Now watch. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And so he tells everybody how not to be deceived. If you can read the Bible and you read this right here, you will not be deceived by the lying signs and wonders that false prophets, and a prophet doesn't necessarily mean it's a calling you know, it's an office a person stands in. Um, it means you're a spokesman for someone else. That's what it means. You're a spokesman. You're a mouthpiece. You're a prophet. And so these are mouthpieces. Don't think for a second that the people in Washington, D.C. that became publicity, I don't want to call them bad names. I, you know, we need to pray for everybody. 
but they prostituted themselves for the publicity of standing in front of the cameras and the microphone and pitching this pandemic and fear-mongering with all of this science that was bogus science that was disproved by real medical people that are just as real as the other medical people that are under the sway of the people that are running this agenda, and yet no one wanted to listen to them. You know, like that man that I mentioned earlier, people asked him one time, the guy that was the head of the CDC, and he still is, but he, he got such a run of time in front of the cameras. He was there every single day of the week for a while there. In the first, when the, in the last administration, you know, I had the first month of the pandemic declared and the nation was shut down, the businesses were shut down, and this guy was in front of the camera every single week, and he was double speaking, that's the word duplicity. He was double talking, he was, People would question, what about natural immunity? What if he had the virus and he recovered it? Well, there's no such thing as natural immunity. There sure is. That's been on the medical books for 150,000 years. Is that an exaggeration or not? And so we have this going on right now. And so what does this do in plain language? It confuses people. People don't know who to believe. They don't know what to believe anymore. They sure can't put 100% in bank on what the talking heads are saying. And even in some cases, you know, people that are talking heads that aren't any part of the, the program behind it or the agenda that's being run. We know, we know certain things as fact. We know that this was manufactured. This was in a lab. We know that. And they've been trying to refute it. They've been trying to say, that's a lie. And this is a, how, what, are, you, are, you, are you serious? You expect us to believe you liars saying that that's a lie? Because you've already proven you have no conscience and you'll lie about anything. Oh, the Russians are coming. The Russians are coming. Oh, the Russians behind everything. We already got through that. It's been proven and it's been validated and verified that that was all made up by the other political party to try to win an election, people. But how many people pump that into the bloodstream of the nation? That's a lie. And it became a deception to where there's a special counsel trying to find dirt. And we had two impeachment attempts in the last administration. And now that this other administration is in power, they got their guy in there. And this guy's lying, you know, <laughs> like the devil himself and deceiving left and right. And he's ruined and wrecked. This nation has been set back so bad that it's going to take a miracle of Jesus to bring it back to any similitude of respectable living. Anyway, I don't want to get too much on that. This leads to confusion. In James chapter 3, if you'll turn there with me, verses 14 through 17, James chapter 3 is talking about the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue of the talking heads in front of the cameras, the liars and deceivers, the power of the tongue of truth speakers, speaking truth from God's word, that are speaking truth and life into people. Um, that's powerful. That's the only thing that can counteract the other thing. That's powerful. And so not to worry, as long as you still have a tongue in your mouth and you're able to speak the truth, that you've got something to counteract the lies and the deception with. And it says this in verse 14, because it, it talks about how what a shipwreck is, that the tongues that are under the control 
of evil are like the rudder of a ship. It can steer it into bad seas or it can steer it out. And I'll tell you something more about that in just a minute. But verse 14 is talking at the end of this about the human tongue. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast, that's the use of the tongue, and lie against the truth. Verse 15, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. What, what is earthly, sensual, and demonic? Bitter envy and self-seeking that's in your hearts. And Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You have bitter envy and self-seeking. That's the reason you're driving the lies. He said, Don't, do not boast and lie against the truth. And so they're, they're lying against the truth, and he's calling them on it and saying, you have bitter envy in your heart, and you're self-seeking, you're selfish in your heart. He said, don't do it anymore. Don't boast and lie against the truth. And then he said, this wisdom that you have does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. We can say that to the people on TV sometimes. For where envy and self-seeking exist, verse 16 says, confusion and every evil thing are there. But, in verse 17, here's our favorite, but the wisdom that's from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. If anything looks like that, that's from above. That's the wisdom that you want to wrap your heart around, your mouth around. You want to act on that. You want to speak that out because that's the only thing that can reverse lying against the truth, which is going on right now, which is earthly. It's of the earth. It's sensual. It's of the flesh. It's demonic. It's inspired by demons. So, since I have you over in James chapter 3, let's take a look starting at the very beginning. I'm going to go to the New King James, because it may, may be more familiar with that. I'm starting in verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. In other words, able to control yourself. Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. In other words, it can do a lot of good or evil. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. In other words, you can just start a match. A cigarette butt can start a fire that can burn thousands of acres to the ground if it gets going and gets out of control. And then he compares it to the tongue. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. In other words, he identifies what is happening here that's setting everything on fire and burning everything to the ground because it's just a pack of lies that is destructive and driven by selfish ambition and strife and greed and stuff like that. Let me just finish a couple more verses and I'll go back and I'll unpack that. For every kind of beast and bird 
of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed. He didn't even have a sea world back then, but he's talking about creatures of the sea are tamed and has been tamed by mankind. And that's an accomplishment of mankind. He can tame all those things. But no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Well, 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 we might as well quit then. No, he said no man can tame the tongue. God only can tame the tongue. When we subject ourselves to God and his words fill our hearts, his words of truth come out of our mouth. Okay, now we're not setting things on fire to burn them down, but we're building up. And he says in verse 10, Out of the same mouth proceeds blessings and cursings. My brothers, as we're talking to Christians, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grape or grapevine bear figs? There's no spring, thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. No spring is going to pump out salt water and fresh. And so what's he saying then? You've got to fix the source. You've got to fix the origin of the artesian well that that's, that's the head of that spring. You've got to clean it up. You've got to get the heart changed. You've got to get the heart clean. You've got to get the heart filled with good things because that's where the wellspring of life is coming from. <clears throat> Back at the verse 6, this is something God gave me. He said one time, he said, I want you to flip it. I want you to do it backwards. Because he said, what, what was James's intention here is to show you what, in the negative world, what is going on. But to see what he's trying, to, the intent is to get it over in the spiritual world. And so verse 6 is the key to all that. He says, the tongue of the fire, a world of iniquity. In other words, it opens up the whole world of iniquity. That's not good. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. The whole body of Christ or our whole human bodies? Both. And it sets on fire the course of nature. What's the course of nature? Downward. Spiraling downward. It's under a curse right now. So you can say it sets on fire the course of the curse and is set on fire by hell. So we know what sparks it. We know that anything that's inspired of hell is destructive. It wants to it wants to defile and decay and destroy things. Flip it now, God said to me one time, years and years ago, give me this revelation. And the tongue is a fire, a world of heaven. The tongue is so set among our members that it blesses the whole body and sets on fire the course of the supernatural and is set on fire by heaven. You see what happens when you flip it? When your tongue is under the inspiration of, of God? It destroys the lies. It unravels the deception. And it blows away the confusion. And that's what we need to see happening in our personal lives and in the lives of the body of Christ so long as God has got us here on this earth. <clears throat> Thank you guys for tuning in again. Love you all. Have a great rest of your day.